Okay. Uh, so uh, 3 through 5 is talking about the inheritance. And we're going to look at the source of the believer's inheritance, the motive for the believer's inheritance, the appropriation of the believer's inheritance, the nature of the believer's inheritance, and the security of the believer's inheritance. So let's start with 3A and our inheritance at the, the source of the believer's inheritance. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be whom? Who's to be blessed here? Peter's saying, blessed is whom? God. Blessed is God. And you hear that in the Old Testament a lot, of, a lot, over and over in the Old Testament. Bless God. Bless God. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Bless God. Um, when um, Abraham returned from the battles he had with the kings, remember one, the ones that attacks, attacked Sodom, remember? And Abraham returned and, and he, um, he came up to Melchizedek. All right. And Melchizedek said, Blessed be the God Most High who has handed over your enemies to you. So it's very common, all right, to say, Blessed be God. But there's a little bit of difference here. Uh, Peter here changes it somewhat. How does he change it? How does he change it? Change it to, Blessed be. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You would have never seen that in the Old Testament, that statement. It would be bless God, but he changes it to blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right? So he puts those two together. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What did, it, with one exception... How did Jesus always refer to God as? As Father. That's right. As Father. He always referred to him as Father. Um, The Godhead has always existed as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's always existed that way. Uh, By the way, what was the one exception? When Jesus referred to God, but he didn't call him Father. Cross. On the cross. What did he say? My God, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So Peter can say, Blessed be the God of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. Blessed be the God of the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the, the relationship of God the Father has always been since eternity past. It's always been God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But God became his God, if you will, at the incarnation. And um, John chapter 20, verse 17, let me read that to you. This is Jesus after he rose from the dead. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Hmm. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. So uh, when Jesus uh, came with the incarnation, God also became 
his God. For Jesus, according to his human nature, to his human nature, God is his God. But according to his deity, God is his Father. So, he is God the Father of whom? God the Father of whom? Three titles used there. God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you will, that's a complete statement or name of who Jesus Christ is. All right? When he says, God the Father of our Lord, what is he saying about Jesus? What's he saying about Jesus? God the Father of our Lord. That he's Lord, that he's sovereign, that he's sovereign, okay? He's sovereign ruler as our Lord. And Jesus, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he will what? Save the people from their sins, yes. So our Lord, sovereign ruler, Jesus, Savior, incarnate Son, okay, and Christ, what is Christ? What is uh, referred to? When he's Christ, he's called Christ because if you were to say in the Old Testament, he is what? He is the Messiah. The anointed one, this Messiah. That's right. So, blessed be God and the Father of our Lord, sovereign ruler, Jesus, Savior, and Christ, the anointed Messiah. That's his full redemptive name. If we want to know God's will, it's going to be through Jesus. And those who reject the Messiah, now notice, he puts it in there. Our Lord Jesus Christ. All right? If you reject the Messiah, you reject God the Father. If you come to Jesus as Savior, but you don't come to him as Lord, then you haven't come to him. So Peter is encouraging people during this difficult time in their life, to praise God in the midst of their circumstances. Notice, Peter isn't teaching us here, okay, when the persecution comes, thank God for the persecution. Thank you, Lord, I'm in pain. Thank you, Lord, that they've come and taken away my home and everything. No, what do you, what do you praise God for in the midst of the circumstance? You praise him for who Jesus Christ is. That's what you praise him for, all right? And, and the reason is, that whole thing is what gets us to heaven. We're to praise the Lord in the midst of our circumstances for who God is. Now, what's the motive for uh, this salvation? What's the motive? Okay, we looked at the source of the believer's inheritance. The source is God, all right? The motive for the believer's inheritance. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. But God being what? Rich in what? Rich in mercy. Because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins or wrongdoings, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. All right? According to his mercy. Titus 3.5 says this. He saved us not on the basis of deeds, 
which we did in righteousness, but in accordance with his mercy by the washing regeneration and, and renewing of the Holy Spirit. All right? So you want to know God's motive for saving us? It's his mercy. It's his mercy that stems from his love. Ephesians says because of God's love for us, then he has mercy on us. What is mercy? What is mercy? If it's according to his mercy, what is that mercy? What's it focus on? One aspect is withholding what we deserve. Okay, withholding what we deserve. Mercy focuses on the sinner's miserable, pitiful, sinful, dead condition. That's what we deserve. As Donna said, that's what we deserve. So mercy focuses on that we're in this miserable, pitiful, sinful, dead condition. And it's God's mercy that wants to take us out of that condition. Uh, John MacArthur wrote, Mercy is not the same as grace. Mercy concerns an individual's miserable condition, whereas grace concerns his guilt, which caused the condition. And divine grace takes him from guilt to acquittal and a change in, in the position. So it's God's mercy. He sees us in this miserable condition, and he wants to change it. Uh, did Jesus show God's merciful, compassionate heart to anyone? Did Jesus show mercy as he walked this earth? Yes. How? When? The woman in adultery. The woman in adultery. Okay. Good place. Good one. Thief on the cross. Thief on the cross. Good one. Zacchaeus. What's that? Zacchaeus, okay. All the sick people he healed as well, they were all in miserable. Yeah, all those people he healed. And, and you might understand going through difficult health times has how miserable that can be. Okay? Uh, Wilson, you're going through some tough times. And I know sometimes you might feel miserable by it. And when your blood pressure's off, then you can really feel miserable. And think of all the other things and all the people that Jesus healed. Okay? He healed them out of mercy. He saw them in their miserable condition and he healed their physical ailments. I heard someone say recently that in, in uh, Palestine and in, in, uh, Israel at that time, he, he pretty much did away with the need for doctors. All right? Because he healed so many people that's from his mercy all right now that's that's for health reasons but we also saw his abundant limitless mercy when he chose to grant eternal life that was because of his mercy so we have the the source of the believer's inheritance the motive for the believer's inheritance the appropriation now of the believer's inheritance look, look at what he says here blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who according to his great mercy did what has caused us to be born again to a living hope has caused us 
Now that goes back to our diagram we talk about. It wasn't us that caused us to get saved. It says right here, he caused us to be born again. He caused us to a living hope, a hope of life. Turn over to John, if you would, please, chapter 3. How do we get this great salvation is what we're talking about. Look at, start with verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one appropriates salvation by being born again, by having this new life, he's not going to see the kingdom of God. And that's our inheritance. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he is old? He cannot enter a, a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, the spiritual cleansing, being born by the spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. How many times did he say that? You must be born again. You must be born again. That's the answer. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it. But do not, do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one is ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. So we are born again, and that's the diagram that I've been talking about the past couple of Sundays, the whole plan of salvation, in that we are born again. We, another word for that is regeneration. We talked about that. That's being born again. That's having uh, a new life, if you will. And notice that it comes um, through regeneration. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. No, the one who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? All right, it's through the resurrection. It's because of his death and his rising from the grave. And, and that resurrection gives us security for the new life. So what is Peter saying? In the midst of persecution, patiently wait for your inheritance. I am seeing over and over again with Peter's teaching 
is don't let your focus be on today. Don't let your focus be on this world, this life, this government, this law, whatever it may be, this persecution. All right. Keep your eyes on your inheritance. And what is our inheritance? It's heaven. That's right. It's eternal glory. Peter's reminding them over and over again. It, it's so easy for us to get so so stuck in what's going on in this world. What doctor appointment do I have? Who's just been elected? What war is going on? Who's dying? We can get so caught up in all of that that we forget where we're going to be one of these days. And, and this time that we have here to worry about all these things, which may get us 70 or 80 or even 90 years, is so small and so short of a period of time compared to all eternity. So we should be thinking about where we're going because that's what we're made for. That's what we're saved for. We're not saved for a great perfect life on this earth with no pain and no problems and everything like that because we're in a fallen world. So Peter says, set your sights on heaven. Set your sights on your inheritance. And he's going to talk about that. What is the, the nature of our inheritance? The nature of our believer's inheritance? Well, let's look at what he says here. Back in First Peter. Verse 4, chapter 1. To obtain an inheritance. And, and, and grasp what he's trying to say here. Which is imperishable. Undefiled. And will not fade away reserved in hair and heaven for you what's imperishable mean imperishable something's imperishable it means it lasts forever right it means it's not corruptible like everything on this earth is corruptible it's not liable to death it's not subject to destruction okay so that's our inheritance it can't be corrupted it can't, it can't die. It can't be destroyed. Remember Israel? They lost their earthly inheritance. Why did they lose it? Because of sin. All right? It became perishable because of sin. So, imperishable, undefiled. What do you think undefiled means here? If something is not defiled, pure, pure, unstained, unpolluted, all right, which is everything in this fallen creation. Everything. And then will not fade away. <coughs> Excuse me. What do you think he means by will not fade away? Forever. Forever. Okay. It's even deeper than that. Think of did you guys have any flowers growing in your, around your property in the springtime? What do they look like now? What do they look like now? Huh, they faded away, haven't they? Yes, they have. Okay? And, and the word that's used here is, is that kind of description. That's what it's used for, to talk about flowers not fading away. All right? Keeping their beauty. Keeping its magnificence, if you will. Turn over here in First Peter to chapter 5, verse 4.
Same word is used here in 1 Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Your glory, your glorious crown, so to speak, is not going to be tarnished. All right? It's not going to be tarnished. It's not going to go away. It doesn't lose its, its magnificence. That's our inheritance. All right? Put it another way, our inheritance is death-proof, sin-proof, and time-proof. doesn't make any difference how long the Lord tarries. It's in heaven waiting for you, and it's perfect. It's kept. It says kept here, which means it's there, and it will always be there. And it's not going to change. There's nothing that we can do on this earth that's going to change what's waiting for us in our inheritance. Because the inheritance is spoken of as already given to you. You've been given your inheritance. You just have to claim it one of these days when you go to glory. That's our inheritance. And then he also talks about our security of our inheritance. Our security. Let's look at, back in First Peter chapter 1. Reserved in heaven for you, that's the end of verse 4, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Reserved in heaven for you. Get that. Reserved in heaven for you. Heaven is the most secure place in all the universe. I used to think Fort Knox probably would, would be it until Goldfinger proved me wrong. All right. But heaven is the most secure place in all the universe. Who cannot get at your inheritance? Satan. Satan. That's right. Satan. All right. He's the prince of the power of the air. This, this is his dominion right now on this earth. So my inheritance is not here where he can get at it. It's protected in heaven where he can't get to it. And just like the nature of our inheritance is fixed, it's unalterable, so is the place. I tell you, if, 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 if I could invest in anything, the one thing I could invest in that I would say is sure is in heaven. That's it. Everything else on this earth, you guys know, is going to go away. Whatever you invest in, it's not going to be here at some point in time in the future. But what we reserve, what's been reserved in heaven for us, it's always going to be there. And it's reserved, which means it's guard, guarded or it's, it's watched over. It means it cannot be stolen. It's, it's just not sitting there. It's like it, it, our Lord Jesus Christ is the one who guarantees that inheritance. And not only is the inheritance protected, but those who possess it are protected. That's what he says in verse 5. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time? All right? So we're even protected also. And, and it talks about faith. Our continued faith is evidence of God protecting us and keeping his work. Our continued faith is evidence of that. And he's talking to people who are going through persecution. And what a great thing to know is to give the confidence that the Lord will give me the strength to maintain. 
and what what comes in people's minds when they're going through persecution, am I going to be able to to get through it? Am I going to be able to keep the faith? I've had people ask me that. Well, yeah, I, I know. I, well, I have faith, Ed, if I have to go through this. You know what this tells me? Yes. I can tell you yes. You'll have the faith. Why? Not because of you, but because God guarantees it. God gives it. There, there's the answer for people. And he talks about waiting, uh, giving our salvation. And that's what's waiting in, in heaven for us. Yeah, we've been saved. Uh, we're saved. We've been saved from sin's penalty. Uh, we're saved from the power of sin. But we're also waiting to get saved from the presence of sin. And that's in heaven for us. Because we're protected by the power of God through faith for that salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. We're protected by faith, which is a gift. And notice that he says, ready to be revealed in the last time. Ready to be revealed. It's not deferred because it's not prepared. God God hasn't taken you to heaven yet because he hasn't prepared your inheritance yet. It's not like he's still waiting to to do something to say, Ed and Ronnie, it's time for you to to go home. It's there. It's prepared. It's ready. It's not not deferred deferred, um, because it's not prepared. It's just deferred because the time has not come yet. You see, our full and complete salvation is not completely revealed until the coming of Jesus Christ. We will see our complete salvation then. Why? Not just because we've gone to heaven, but because we'll return with him and we'll rule and reign with Jesus Christ. And that's what all creation is looking forward to and waiting for. One of the things I notice, we'll close with this, one of the things I notice is we're looking at new covenant rewards here. And first Peter is talking to these folks and what is he focusing on as far as their rewards? They're going to have good health here? Uh, yeah, yeah, you're saved. Don't worry about it because you're going to have good health. And by the way, Ronnie, you can get some wealth too. So you're going to have wealth, prosperity, health, and, and guess what? Well, you'll be protected so that you won't get hurt and you won't be persecuted. Is that what he's focusing on? No, he's focusing on heaven and eternity. Exactly. Heaven and eternity. But think about the Old Testament. What were the rewards in the Old Testament? When Moses talked to the people and said, if you do this, God will do this. If you obey him, he's going to give you this. What were the rewards? They were now. Now? Earthly rewards, right? They'd have good health, he said. And they'd have prosperity. And no one would be attacking them. Those were the rewards of the old covenant. The new covenant, our rewards are, we're going to have good health and no health problems on this earth. We know that's not true. With a lot of other things, Peter's saying, now your focus, now your focus is not what's going on here. Your focus needs to be on up there in heaven. Okay, any questions or comments? I'm reminded of, uh, of Abraham, you know, you talk about him going to war with these guys, taking 
people down in Sodom more when he came back. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they wanted to give him all these all these gifts and things to yes. reward him for what he'd done. And God told him that I am your great and exceeding. That's right. And so that is our reward is being with Christ. And yes. Knowing him, that's our reward. Yes. That's it. That's where our mind... Later on, he's going to say, have this mindset. Have a mindset. We need to set our minds on heaven and not on all this stuff going on on this earth because it's fading away. And one day, it's going to be all gone. All gone. It's not even going to be here. Any, anything else? Anybody else? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, and we say Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, because we look forward to that someday. God, I look forward to the day when I I stand before you and then kneel before you and bow before you because of who you are. Jesus, I look forward to the day when I get to see you face to face because you're the one who died on the cross for me. And you're the one that's made all this possible. Heavenly Father, help us to be heavenly-minded Help us to keep our minds and thoughts on you, Lord God. And even then, still walk with us through the difficult times, Lord God, and enable us to get accomplished what you want us to do by faith that you give as a gift. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.